Hello, and welcome to the Bethesda Podcast feed. It's here you can find all of our recorded services. And for more information, you can visit us at gobethesda.com. We hope you enjoy. Praise the Lord, everyone. You can be seated. When I came in here just a few minutes ago, seemed like there was a conversation going on about football, so apparently that's the way you're supposed to open up, and so I would like you to know that the Razorbacks won yesterday. And I am not an Alabama fan, however... I'd rather see them win than Tennessee any time. <laughs> it is really neat to be here today. We drove down from Alexandria. We're leaving when church is over and maybe a little lunch and going to New Orleans. But uh, it is so good to be here and to be with the hills. To be honest, <laughs> I never thought I would ever be cool enough to be invited to this church. I'm just telling you the truth right there. There's, but I'm going to try to act like I fit here today. And it was neat to be a part of pastor appreciation. And I love to be in a church that appreciates their pastor. In fact, I don't even want to go to church with people that don't appreciate their pastor. I'll go down the road somewhere, but I, I want to be in a place that appreciates their pastor, and I feel that in this place. And I know that you are thankful. And I heard the announcements about contractors and getting things done, and I didn't notice anything needed done. I was just looking for the right church and pulled in here and asked somebody, is Donovan Hill the pastor here? I don't know, I wasn't looking for Bethesda, I guess, I don't know, but anyway. And your student pastor, um, I knew something was going on with the grin on his face, and uh, now I know, one year anniversary, and uh, just hang in there. My wife and I have been married, is that better now? We have been married for 49 years. And so hang in there, okay? We've decided after much discussion, we're gonna try it another year. See if we can make it work. You know what's neater than anything else? Jesus has been in here today. And it doesn't get any better than that. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to talk to you for a few minutes and, a, and, and the emphasis on few there, hopefully. My dad said for a message to be immortal, 
it doesn't have to be eternal. <laughs> so we'll see if we can follow through with that today. I want to talk to you about the distinctives of a New Testament church. The distinctives of a New Testament church. I've never been, as far as I know, through Prairieville in my life. I've been through Baton Rouge, and that just the fact right there is why people need the Holy Ghost. It's just so you can not lose your mind going through Baton Rouge. Um, but I've never been through here before, but I promise you there's more than this church around here. There's churches everywhere. And when people's lives get into a mess, they look for something. And sometimes it ends up they look for a church. And I don't know who I'm talking to today who's visitors or who are uh, guests or who are members of this church. But if you happen to be a guest and you're looking for a church, uh, Rather than me just saying, you ought to come to this one because it's a good one and I know the pastor and I know what they teach and preach here, really the question you ought to ask yourself is, is this church based on the Bible? And does this church preach and practice what the Bible says and what the early church did or the New Testament church? So I want to just bring attention to a few things that I believe God has talked to me about that are distinctives of a New Testament church. And the reason it's important for you to go to the right church is because your eternal salvation depends on you hearing the truth about what it takes to be saved. And so, will you let me have a few minutes and let's talk about this today? distinctives of the New Testament church. And by the way, I meant to say this at the beginning and I've already tried to start preaching, but we have been treated so nice since we've been here. We've, from the time we drove onto the parking lot to the time we came in that door over there till we ended up in the foyer, till we were taken to the pastor's office, to the way we were treated in here. People spoke to us. You don't even know us, and we're from Arkansas, and you're still speaking to us. <laughs> and the music has been fantastic. Amen. I mean, goodness, folks. If you hadn't been anywhere else, you don't know how good you've got it. The, the band, my goodness, what a band. And a band and, a, and singers ain't nothing without a sound booth back there. And I'm, I'm, I leaned over at my wife. I said, I always wondered what it sounded like for there to be a good mix. And y'all know what I'm talking about. And if y'all don't, you ought to go somewhere where they don't know how to mix the sound. Is this all right, Brother Hill? See, I've been some places. 
I used to pastor in one of them. They had some good, faithful guys in our sound booth, and we still do. They ain't got a clue about mixing music. No ear at all. I'll walk in the, and I'll walk in the back, back when I was pastoring, and, and be ready to preach and walk in, and I just want to go back home. But anyway, I don't. I stay there and bear with it. And, but that brings me to my first thing I want to point out, what I believe is, is characteristic of a New Testament church. It's a church that worships. It's a church that magnifies God. It's a church that has learned how to entertain the presence of the Lord and to respond to his presence with your worship and your praise. If there's not worship in a church, it's not really a New Testament church. New Testament church worshiped. Hallelujah, they worshiped. We read in Acts chapter 16 where Paul and Silas were in jail. But it says in the 25th verse, at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. I want to tell you there's a reason why we worship God. Number one, we worship God because he's worthy of our worship. He's God. All right, do you have that? He's God. He created you. He made you. He gave you the breath that's in your body right now. And he's worthy and he deserves you to recognize that by praising him. And there's a second reason that we worship God. We worship God not only because he deserves it, but also because of what it does for us. When Paul and Silas prayed, the prison that they were in was opened and they got out. The chains fell off. It seems like I heard some singing about that today. If you want that to happen in your life, if you want to get out of the dungeon, the despair, the depression, the problems, the tribulation, worship God. Get your eyes on him and off the stuff that's going on around you and worship him. Oh, hallelujah. He's worthy to be worshiped. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Second thing I want to mention, and I can stay on that worship a while, but I'm in a church I believe that already got that down. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And let me just say this, okay, in case you didn't know it. Worship is, is worship. It doesn't have anything to do with being Pentecostal or, or Catholic or Methodist. It's a, this isn't just a thing that's required of Pentecostals. The Bible says everything that hath breath. Everybody's supposed to be worshiping God. Because God's been good to everybody. He's been good to you. Hallelujah. And he deserves my worship. Second thing I want to mention is prayer. Prayer is a distinctive of a New Testament church. 
And I mean a little bit more prayer than good food, good meat, it's getting late, let's eat. A little more prayer than now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I appreciate all of that, but I'm talking about more than that. I'm talking about prayer. Prayer was a lifestyle in the New Testament church. In Acts chapter three, it says, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. It was part of what they did on the way there. They touched a man who all he was after was just a little handout. But instead, Peter and John laid hands on them. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And God healed him. But here's my point. They were on their way to pray, being a part of their lifestyle and their habit. Hallelujah. If you want to know why we expect and we see people receive the Holy Ghost and receive their healing and their deliverance around this front here, it's because beforehand, as part of our lifestyle, we pray. We pray at home. We have corporate prayer where we pray at church. If you're not involved in that, you ought to be involved in that. It's a distinctive of a New Testament church is a church that prays. Would you give God praise right now? Now, a third distinctive of a New Testament church is a church that preaches doctrine. In other words, Part of the life of that church is the ministry, the pastor, the teachers, the fivefold ministry will preach to that church and teach that church doctrine or principles from God's word on how to live. And in particular, the plan of salvation and what it takes to be saved. Amen. A New Testament church is not just a church where it seems like the agenda of the pastor is only to make you feel good or to make you leave or preach in such a way that you always leave with a smile on your face. Now, hopefully we can have a good time at church, and I've learned already that you all know how to have a good time at church. But you're also in a church where the pastor and the teachers preach doctrine, what it takes for you and your family to be saved not just a feel-good religion, not just easy believism, but what does the word have to say? In John chapter three, we read where Jesus taught about the new birth. <clears throat> and Jesus answered Nicodemus and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. A church that is a New Testament church preaches the plan of salvation 
as Jesus described it and told Nicodemus, and then it was, it was fleshed out, you might say, when we get to the book of Acts where the church actually started. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Jesus is saying this, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized, <coughs> but with water. But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And then you drop down to the eighth verse and... and, and it reads this way, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And then in Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now we're talking, we're not just talking about this church here at this location on whatever road this is out here. We're talking about the early church, where the church started in Scripture. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, see, that's not just, that's not a domination. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What happened there happens at this church on a regular basis because this is a New Testament church. People still receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speak in a heavenly language. Then Peter continued to preach until there was great conviction there when he let them know that the one they had crucified was the Messiah. And verse 37 says, And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. That even means Prairieville. That even means Little Rock. That even means, Brother Hill, the town we learned about in our conference this week, Flippin' Arkansas. There's a Flippin' Arkansas. It means there. So a New Testament church believes in doctrine. Can I get a witness in here? Aren't you glad you're in a church and have a pastor that you appreciate and one of the things that you appreciate and you let him know this every once in a while, thank you pastor for the way you preach to us the truth of what God's word says. Now there's another distinctive of the New Testament church and I'm not gonna spend a lot of time here. I'll let your pastor do that. But when we come to Jesus, old things are passed away and all things are become new. 
when you are born again, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And so one of the distinctives of a New Testament church is the people were separate from the world. They didn't think like the world. They didn't act like, they didn't respond to, to things happening like the rest of the world that's not born again. They're, they're separate. They're separate in their lifestyle. The way they think, the way they approach life, they begin to develop a, a, a world, not a secular worldview, but a biblical worldview. They're separate. They're separate. Now, that was all my introduction. And I want to tell you what to me is, is the greatest distinctive of the New Testament church. And I understand that you have been taught to stand for the reading of God's word. So in just a minute, I'm going to have you stand. But I want to read a few verses before I get to the main verse I want to draw your attention to. In Exodus chapter 33, and I know we're talking about a New Testament church, but this is a principle that goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Exodus 33 and 7, Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. It came to pass when Moses went out into the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended. Now, that's much more than the fog that I drove through on the way here today. When we left Alexandria, we were in fog almost all the way to 190. That's not talking about just a natural fog. Came to pass as Moses entered the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. That, that cloudy pillar signified and stood for the presence of the Lord. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar Stand at the tabernacle door and all the people rose up and worshiped every man in his tent door. Okay, so you see, you see the background. But earlier this year, I, a verse a little later, and I want you to stand for this verse. Exodus 33 and 16. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And I know that you're used to reason, reading the King James. That's the English Standard Version. You may be seated. I'm going to read that in a bunch of different tra translations today or versions of scripture. If you don't go with us, Moses said, who will ever know that I and my people have found favor with you and that we are different from any other people upon the face of the earth? That's the living Bible. 
The NIV says it this way, How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Or the message reads this way, How else will it be known that you're with me in this, with me and your people? Are you traveling with us or not? How else will we know that we're special? I and your people among all other people on this planet earth. Or the New Living Translation. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and on, on me and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us, now listen to this folks, for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. <coughs> Folks, the thing that distinguishes the New Testament church sets us apart, makes us special, is the presence of the Lord that is among us. Would you give God some praise for that right now? You see, it doesn't matter what your doctrine is if his presence is not there. It doesn't matter what your separation is if his presence is not there. Oh, hallelujah. I'm so glad when I walked in here today, though it's my, my first time visitor here, and I'm from Arkansas, and I'm among people from Louisiana, and even though there was a whole lot that I didn't know and people that I didn't know, not the way, I didn't know the way you had church or what to expect was going on in here. And I'm a guest. But when I walked through those doors, I felt right at home. Why is that? Why is it I can expect someone that's never been to Bethesda to come in here and want to stay here and want to make this their church home? It's because the presence of the Lord is in the house. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I think you ought to really give God praise that God is here. The God of the universe, the great I am. Hallelujah, the first and the last. El Shaddai. He's here. Hallelujah. And I want to prophesy if this church continues to welcome the presence of God and to understand without him here, you can do nothing. You can be the coolest church in town with the best lights and the best sound and the best praise team. But if he ain't here, nothing's, nothing's gonna happen. But if you will continue to come here and worship him and respond to him, I promise you these seats are gonna be filled. There's not gonna be a room to park a car around here. God is going to bless this place because his presence is here. Don't think any of those other distinctives are going to keep you from having church and having a growing church. 
with all these distinctives in the New Testament church, worship was different, prayer was different, doctrine was different, separation was different. The church flourished. Acts 2 and 41, and they that gladly received his word were baptized. In the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Acts 2 and 47, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And I could continue to read on and on on how God continued to bless the church with growth with those distinctives. Oh, hallelujah. I've been to more church growth seminars than you could imagine. I've got more church growth books and leadership books and been to more conferences. But I'm gonna tell you what the key is. If a church knows how to invite the presence of God and the presence of God is there, that church will be successful and grow. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Brother Hill said a few minutes ago that a little bit of the, the thing we have in common, I guess, is a love for planting churches and church, new churches. And I'll give you a little, little bit of our story. We moved our family. We were living in Alexandria for a year and then moved our family to Orange, New Jersey. Orange, New Jersey is right outside of Newark. It's not the best place in the world. And uh, we didn't even know where we were gonna end up. We didn't know the apartment until we pulled the U-Haul up there. And uh, we had gone out to look for an apartment and we couldn't find anything affordable and I just left it up to the home missions director Lowell Hazlip to find us a place and he found us a place on 224 Washington Street in Orange, New Jersey. And we pulled up there and it was, we had the second floor of a two family house and the stairway going up was so narrow, we literally had to go to the second floor and there was kind of a screened in porch. We removed the, the screens and we lowered ropes down to the furniture and lifted the furniture up on the outside of the house and in that way. Our landlords were something else. They were Catholic and I love Catholics. She was full-blooded Italian and he was full-blooded Irishman. And their marriage was built on a good fight every day. <laughs> And they didn't mind us being there. Um, we had, we had a, a good rent that we could afford. And they didn't mind us too much until we started having church upstairs. And people started going up the stairs every Sunday and every Wednesday. And, oh, sometimes she would come out downstairs and give our people a good cussing on the way up to church. It puts everybody in a good mood for a good church service. <laughs> Get cussed out real good before church starts. And we had a couch and an overstuffed chair and a little living room, no air conditioning, no closets. The, the kitchen 
had no cabinets, no countertop. And we would put one of those little expandable gates across the doorway to the living room to have church because we had an English bulldog and we kept him in the other side of the, because everybody was afraid of him. And we had church on the second floor of 224 Washington Street. I was a first time pastor. We had no sound man. I would have even taken a sound man that couldn't mix. <laughs> we didn't need a sound man. The, the, the living room was small. And we would put the coffee table at one end of the room and I would put my Macintosh speaker, stereo speaker up on top of it and that was, that was the pulpit. Windows open, people carrying on outside, cussing each other. I didn't have any of the stuff. My wife had five years of piano lessons at Indianapolis at Calvary Tabernacle with Hugh Rose giving you, who? No, Ted Black. Ted Black, phenomenal piano player, gave her five years of lessons. And when we got to New Jersey and we needed a keyboard player, do you think five years of lessons did her any good at all? We had, we, had a, we had a keyboard about this wide here, just a little thin keyboard. And we would get together before the people got there. And I would say, Jelaine, you've had five years of lessons. We can do this. We can do amazing grace. I mean, that's as old as they get. We can do that one. And she would go, mm. I said, no, that one doesn't sound right. And, yep, that's it. And then I think on that first keyboard or the second keyboard, it had, and this was a Casio or something, okay? I mean, this was like a Walmart special. I think it had, you could add drums. Oh, nice. <laughs> We're Grand Funk Railroad now, man. We got it going on. So, how can you have church at 224 Washington Street with no music, a bulldog slobbering through the gate right outside the room, People packed in there like sardines, no air conditioning. Are you, how can you have church? How can you have church with me trying to do the preaching? I've never pastored before. Right? You can't have church. Oh, yes, we did. Because God never has been, sorry guys, sorry singers, sorry, sorry musicians, God's never been all that impressed right. with our talents and abilities. I mean, come on. 
But I tell you what, if he can find somebody that loves his presence and who understands apart from you, I can do nothing, then he shows up. And I've been in some good church services. I was in a good church service today right here in Prairieville. And I've been some good church services at Word of Flame Church in Little Rock where I pastored for 31 years. And I've been in some pretty good church services with good music at the POA in Alexandria. But I haven't been in any better church than I was at 224 Washington Street. Why? Because God showed up. God was there. His presence makes the difference. You ought to be glad that you're in a church with the distinctives of the New Testament church and that is his presence is here. (coughs) Come on, give him praise right now. Give him praise right now. Oh, hallelujah. I magnify you, God. I praise you, God. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I didn't talk this over with anybody to get the okay. I want you to sing. Play your guitar and sing. And I want y'all, and here's what I want y'all to do. See, I don't know how you usually do it, so they gave me the pulpit. And I want your pat, because I heard him sing the other day in Alexander, and he blessed my heart. And I want you to forget maybe for a minute about who's singing and how each chord is right or wrong and whether he hits every note. And I want you to forget about the surroundings. And I want you to just reach out to the Lord right now and let his presence come into you and into this place and heal you and deliver you. I need healing in my body today. And you see, when the presence of the Lord is in a place, it's a cliche, but it's true. Anything can happen. You could actually have come in here today with an addiction to alcohol and leave here today with those chains no longer gripping you. You could come in here so hurt from a relationship that you don't ever think you'll get over it. And I'm here to tell you just a few minutes in the presence of God and you get a whole new view of life. Could I ask you this to close your eyes? I'm not even asking you to stand right now. now if when you begin to feel the presence of the Lord work, work, work with you and and roll over you. If you feel like responding more than just sitting there and coming to the front, lifting your hands or kneeling here, whatever you want to do, you're most welcome to do that. This is a New Testament church. This is what we do. We didn't come here to see who was singing or just to have fellowship, and that's all good and well, and I love it. But we came here to meet with him. Thank you for joining us. And for more information, you can visit us at GoBethesda.com. You can also visit us in person at 15050 Daigle Road, Prairieville, Louisiana. Services are at 10 a.m. Sunday and 7 p.m. on Wednesday.